This is the night before Thanksgiving while we are recording it. So happy Thanksgiving and whatever that means to you uh, in your space. If Thanksgiving isn't happy to you, well, best Thanksgiving you can do, whatever. Um, so today, we got a package in the mail, went and checked it, and I ordered me some draws, right? This time to order some new draws. Uh, I think at some point, I mean, I told you guys this, but at least like during the warmer months of quarantine, it was like draws for what? You know what I'm saying? I don't want to walk around here wearing no jeans or nothing like that at any point. You know, just like draws, man. They became vastly overrated in the course of this time. And so I think at some point I threw out a bunch of draws. Like I think I just, you know, it was time to switch them out or whatever. And then it started getting cooler and it was like, yo, I need some draws. And I was like, yo, I don't have nearly as many pairs of draws as I used to have. So I ordered me about 10 pairs of draws off the internet, got them in, put them in the washing machine right now. And I'm telling you this not so I can give you guys some sort of update on like the quality of my draws, but I know enough about my male species. And one thing I know about us and just things I've just generally learned over time, I found that when I suggested to you cats to like step up from the lotion and go to the shea butter type stuff, a lot of y'all heard me and then went ahead and did it. There's also another point where I was talking to y'all about taking care of your face, like that skincare sort of thing. And I had friends of mine hitting me up and being like, yo, my husband out here, he heard you. And he trying to figure out how to get himself a skincare situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I be trying to help out as I can help out as I think of these things as they go along. And um, I understand about saving money. But be honest with yourself. Go look at your draws. Do you need to get some new draws? I recognize that some of y'all are probably waiting on your woman to go ahead and get your new draws because research has indicated that women tend to buy the draws for the dudes and not the dudes buying the draws for themselves, which is why, in large part, women think that we are children. Now, I am not telling you to get out here and order no super expensive draws or something like rocket science draws that ain't even been invented yet or anything like that. I'm just saying in this time of quarantine where you have all kinds of opportunities to upgrade and improve yourself in a lot of ways, just saying, go into that drawer Ask yourself, is it time for me to get some new draws, right? Somebody says socks are the same thing. We may have had this discussion previously. Um, I offended some of the people. I don't know if I offended them, but like people I work with, they was looking at me a little bit funny, and I was saying that if I wanted to do like a super-duper flex of privilege, flex of privilege with me would be wearing socks one time and then getting new socks. Like I saw something like after Jay-Z got rich, he talked about how he like a pair of Air Force 1s, for example. He wear them one time and then he tossed them out. He said, you know, he had that insecurity from being younger and having beat up shoes because they ain't had no money and people picking on the shoes. Now it never happened again. So he wear a pair of shoes like one time and toss them out and then get another pair of shoes. Now I think that is greatly excessive. But with socks, you know that good crispity, crunchity feeling that you get on the bottom of your feet when you put on a pair of socks for the first time. You know that. You feel that. You see that. You know what I mean? If you got the money to do that, and I got to be honest with you, I do have the money to do that. I just can't bring myself to a point of having like have a much dollar a month sock budget. I'm not there yet. But don't think I don't think about what it would be like if every day, every day felt like a pair of new socks. Just think about that, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people, when they was, like, watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and stuff like that, they dreaming of the fancy cars, you know what I'm saying? They dreaming of the swimming pools. They swim. They, they dreaming of the mansion. They dreaming of all that stuff. And, I mean, that's pretty, like, there's something to that, you know what I mean? 
But what you know about that feeling of putting on a pair of crispy new socks? You know that feeling. If you could reproduce that, you do that. So that may be my treat to myself next year. One-time socks. That's it. That would be the most ballerific shit in the world, man. These cats out here with these chains and everything around your neck. Every time you see me, I'm going to pull up my pants legs so you can see how extra white them socks are. And it ain't because I bleached them. It's because they brand new. It's because they always brand new. You save money on laundry that way. Wear the socks. Put them in the trash. Yeah. That's the kind of baller I'm trying to be. Anyway, uh, go take a look and ask yourself, do I need to get some new draws? And if you do, go ahead and get some new draws. Anyway, let us move on with your questions. Who did you have taking home the win, Gucci or Jeezy? I don't know how many of you all uh, happen to watch the verses with Gucci and Jeezy, but I feel like we should take a, a brief moment to kind of walk through what we had with Gucci and Jeezy in verses. And I don't know if I want to call it a history of verses per se. But, I mean, because it ain't been long enough to be a history. But let us know that when Versus first started, people was really treating it like a competition. You know what I mean? It was really blow for blow. And everybody had their scorecards, and they was trying to figure out who won and all of that stuff. But I felt like the tide turned on that with the Ludacris and Nelly joint. And the reason that it switched with the Ludacris and the Nelly joint was because Ludacris was kicking his ass so badly. And apparently Chris was raised right. So, like, he was bringing it back around, you know, to make it more of a friendly thing. Because if it was a battle, I mean, they would have had to end that thing after, like, 12 minutes. You know, so they kind of turned into a post-up, and then it became more about the people sharing their music and people who had a respect for each other, talking amongst each other about what happened, how they got there, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So Versus was the name, but I felt as though it had become a much more of a communal activity at that point, right? But it was Gucci and Jeezy, right? And so apparently it was supposed to be Gucci and T.I. I mean, no, Jeezy and T.I. at first, but Jeezy wanted to do this with Gucci, right? He said he wanted to show that people could, um, you know, like move past their differences and stuff like that. And so it was going to be Gucci and Jeezy. And look, most people know that Gucci killed this dude who was down with Jeezy because the dude bust up in Gucci's crib with some other people, and Gucci got to bucking, and dudes ran out, but one of them took a bullet, and they split up after they ran out, and one of them went and, like, died in the field over by middle school, right? All right. 
Gucci beat the charge on it because it was deemed to be self-defense. The thing about it was, it wasn't just that Gucci shot the dude. It's that he was basically bragging about it for years. For years, right? It was the wildest thing. And there were stories about Lord, like Gucci showing up like at a Jeezy birthday party all by himself with no security. Like, the, the thing about Gucci is, man, and, I mean, that is a man that is 100% not afraid to die. Like, and I am not that person, and Jeezy might be a person who is not afraid to die, but he's absolutely a person who has demonstrated that he really wants to live. And I still kind of feel to this day that Gucci could kind of take it or leave it either way, even with him getting better and working on himself and getting out of jail and getting off the dope and working out and all that stuff. Yeah, I just... Like, if it come to, it come to. And so them cats came in there for verses. And Gucci started off with a whole new diss record. N- never heard before. And he was just being an antagonist all the way through. He did all the songs he had about shooting Jeezy's man. Did the Dig Your Partner Up joint. Did all of them, right? Taunting him along the way with, uh, out of nowhere. Ladies and gentlemen, my outfit Cost $10,000. Now look at my opponent. Your opponent showed up in a llama coat. Now look at my opponent. Like, Jeezy breathing through the whole thing. People are like, yeah, we were getting work. This is wrestling. No, no, no. This is not at all what Jeezy signed up for. This is not the, the, the sort of evening that Jeezy thought that we were going to have. Jeezy's out here going like chronological order, starting with his 2005 joint, starting with, you know, playing the Boys in the Hood joint, played probably my favorite Jeezy song, uh, Go Crazy. Shout out to the homie Don Cannon. Jeezy did all that stuff, right? He got Gucci on the other side. Play your current hits, man. Where your current hits at? You ain't got no current hits? Play your current hits. He had, uh, when he started talking about something, and Jeezy was like, why don't we do real estate versus? How about that? Real estate versus. Like, this was tense. I did not enjoy watching that at all. And so my man says, who did you have taking home the win? I can't believe that anybody watched that and after 10 minutes was still trying to figure out who was winning on the music. Like, you were still keeping score? Like, my guess is that after we got to about the third song on either side, and it was clear the direction this was going in, if you were still keeping score, this tells me that in real life, when the shots rang out, you the last one to hit the ground. Because you are not paying any attention whatsoever to your surroundings. This dude, Mr. Marshall, is like, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Mr. Marshall, I got to assume that you have not grown up and kicked it in the ways that I have kicked it because it felt like somebody might get shot a lot through that night. And you might be asking yourself, well, where are you from, Bomani, where you feel like that might be the way it goes? Y'all know where I'm from? Earth. I'm from the earth. Everywhere I've been on earth that felt the way that felt. 
we thought somebody was going to die. I was not comfortable watching this. Motherfuckers out here talking about who won. Really? You thought that was a game. Like, that was the thing that I felt like for everybody that still had their little scorecards out about it, right? For everybody who did that, I feel like Gucci made it clear to you from the very beginning. What was he telling you? This is not a game. Y'all out here trying to keep score. Dumbass. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Rappers back in the day were just a street, if not more, than these new dudes. But why are these cats getting snuffed out left and right? Well, I actually saw some very interesting statistics today um, on the internet. And why does it seem like more rappers are getting snuffed out right now? Because more people are getting snuffed out right now. Like, numbers on shootings are up all across America. Doesn't matter what party runs the city, right? Shootings up all across America. Do you want to know the only city that I saw where shootings are not up in 2020, over 2019? Anybody want to guess? City where shootings are not up? Baltimore. Bet you didn't see that coming, did you? Right. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I have to be honest with you, Tar Tony. This is a really stupid question. Well, no, no, yours is not stupid. I saw other ones that were stupid. Yours is about back in the day versus now. I ain't really got no great answer, man. But I'm going to ask you this, man. What are these young boys living for? Like, really, what are these young Like, I don't know. I don't have a great answer for what this is and how this is going. I don't really understand, like, what the gangster is in the younger dudes because I find... And even me as somebody who enjoys, you know, a little gangster rap and the likes. The young rappers that I like or younger rappers that I like are not in danger of being shot. Or at least it doesn't appear that they navigate and traffic in these circles. Like the rappers that's out here living the thug life, I don't really listen to them. Now, what is interesting to me, though, about rappers back in the day versus the rappers now is the one thing about the rappers back in the day was just because they wasn't rapping gangster didn't mean that they wasn't about that life. Like, Red Man talked about that. Like, yo, man, we used to be out on the road, you know, showing up in people's neighborhoods and projects to fight them and everything like that, but that's just not what his music was about. But there was cats like that that was super gangster with it. You just didn't know it because you didn't know there, it wasn't in their music. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's what we got. now. Like, I have no idea. But, yeah, man, it does seem like rappers getting shot a whole lot right now, but I think a big part of it is, like, a lot of people are getting shot right now. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, somebody said, did you see the Gucci and Jeezy versus after party? I did see those clips. A, I saw all the people with no mask, and B, it did not look like Gucci and Jeezy were spending any time with one another. All right, let me see what else we got here. Did anyone, do you see anyone else that can make the power move that Dave Chappelle just did with Netflix? And do you foresee him getting paid for Chappelle's show streaming? 
Wow, Tartoni has all the questions. Um, just curious here. Um, do you really think that was a power move? Because I don't think that was a power move at all. Like, everything about – and basically what Dave said is that he looks up Netflix is streaming Chappelle's show. And when the deal was worked out with Viacom to stream that, they did not compensate him in any sort of way. And he went and he told the Netflix people how it made him feel that they were doing this and that he was not going to get paid. And then Netflix then subsequently decided not to stream Chappelle's show online. And now we've seen a lot of people say that, um, you know, don't watch Chappelle's show streaming anywhere, all of this stuff. And so Sebastian's in the chat room saying he is putting public pressure on them. Kind of a power move. Ain't no kind of with a power move. Because in the end, first of all, this is starting with Dave's absence of power. The fact that he had no power to stop Viacom from doing this in the first place. There's no power in that. Now, he has a much different relationship with Netflix now where they have cut him checks for tens of millions of dollars to do these specials, and he's got a different relationship with them. And I think for Netflix, they looked up at it, and it is better for them, for Dave to be happy with them, than whatever the marginal gains would be that they could receive from streaming Chappelle's show, okay? But in the end, I don't think Dave had any leverage here. If Netflix had been like, nah, dog, we just going to run this, and maybe he could say, well, fine, I'm not going to do any more specials. I mean, I guess that I guess that counts as a power move. Like, maybe that counts as a power move. I don't know. What I thought, like, I did not think that this is to be viewed in those terms. I thought that this is really just to be viewed in terms of this man now has a relationship with Netflix, and he went to him and was like, yo, this don't sit right with me. And they looked at it and said, I understand you're good. Not everybody could get away with that. Not everybody could pull it off. So maybe you could say it's a power move because Dave is somewhat unique in the space and he could get the people at Netflix to listen to him. Like my guess is Ted Sarandos heard this and looked around and thought about it and was like, yeah, dude, it's just not worth it. Okay, cool. Go ahead and do that. But I would not deem this a power move myself. All right, appreciate the question, guys. I'm going to do my best with what we got here. Should successful artists stop putting so much weight into Grammy nominations, seeing as they are controversial almost every year? What I don't understand about this question is, why are you limiting this to successful artists? Every artist needs to stop caring so damn much about the Grammys. Look. I mean, you could do this every year and go through and find, um, like, the great artists who never won a Grammy. Like, I don't think Bob Marley won a Grammy when he was alive. I don't think The Who ever won a Grammy. I don't think Jimi Hendrix, while he was alive, won a Grammy. Um, So forth and so on. You can go up and down the list on this, right? Yet every single year the Grammys happen, and every year you fucking morons look at the nominations and get salty as hell because your favorite did not make this list of five out of however many thousand entries there could have been. Like, stop and think about that for a second. 
Like, it annoys me so much, like with the Academy Awards. People be so mad their favorite actor didn't get nominated for an Academy Award. Ain't seen none of the other damn movies that was nominated in the same category. Ain't seen none of them. You just mad that your favorite ain't there. That's it, right? And so, yeah, people need to stop caring about the Grammys. But that, I mean, I think those of y'all that have known me for a while, if there's anything that you know about me is, I don't really care that much about your external validation. Like, that's it. It is too much to expect everybody to feel about your work the way that you do. Simple as that. It's too much. You know? And one thing the Grammys love to do also is they'll have, like, the four hottest young dudes in the game, like an R&B category, right? I don't mean, I don't have, like, examples to throw out there. But they'd be like, it, it could be the four greatest youngsters of all time, and they'll throw them out there. And you know who going to win that uh, Grammy? It is the fifth nominee. And you know what the fifth nominee is? Like Anita Baker put out her first record in 20 years or something like that, right? And so all the old people who got ballots, they're like, yo, that that Anita Baker album. I bet that was jamming. And then that's that, right? Like, I mean, again, this happens every single year. Think about this. You know what the Grammy itself looks like, like the trophy, look like the old phonograph, okay? All right? Just think about that just for a second. Just think about what the Grammy trophy looks like. Okay? You see it? You got it in your head. All right. If you were a rapper, and you had never seen the Grammy Trophy before, but you were a rapper, and in the mail, you got this, and they were like, yo, here's your award for best rap album. And it's this picture, and it's this statue of this old-ass record player. Would you think that the people that gave out a statue that look like that are the people whose opinions that you care about when it comes to rap? I'm just asking. Just, just think about that for a second. That, that, old, that white man that come on every year and tell us not to download no more, whatever his name is. You know the dude I'm talking about? Like, he don't talk about, he don't tell us not to download anymore because now they got the streams. But before that, the dude that'll come out there every year and fuss at us about downloading and accuse us of killing his industry, right? That man walks up to you and was like, congratulations. You had the best rap album of the year. Like, how lit up are you supposed to be about that? How excited are you supposed to be about that? Anyway, I'll be right back. You know what's about to happen. Now, I don't know nothing about no uh about no Grammys. I don't really know nothing about that. I got me this Emmy though. Say hi to Emmy. And just in case y'all don't understand. It's got my name on it. See that? Now, an Emmy, that's something to be proud of. A Grammy? Don't nobody care about that. 
Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Do you consider this show to be the single longest thread through your career? And where does the motivation come from to keep creating free content at the cost of your time slash money slash effort? Um, yeah, I don't know if I think about it this way, if I really thought about it that way. But yeah, this is probably the longest running thing um, of my career. Lance, what have we been doing this for? Like nine years now? I think we've been doing it for nine years. Yeah. Um, where does the motivation come from? So when I started doing the Evening Jones, and this is back when we did more sports on it and everything else, a big part of why I started doing it was that I didn't have at that time, I don't want to say enough outlets, but like we started doing it when I was having some trouble with recording my radio show. And so it's just like, fine, y'all want, you know, we'll find a way to get the content out to you. And then we went to Ustream. Y'all remember Ustream? And so uh, we uh, did it on Ustream. And then after I didn't have a radio show anymore, I my next job was writing and doing YouTube videos. And I was on TV at the time but I didn't have an audio component to my work. And so we kept doing the Evening Jones because I, you know, really in large part, like to put out the actual audio podcast, like not so much the video, but we, um, we did it. And that was what I had at the time. And so then when I signed a contract with ESPN, we worked it out with them to have the Evening Jones grandfathered into the contract. Like I would be allowed to do this per contract and um but it couldn't be about sports and so then that was cool at that time that i was allowed to do it and it not be about sports because once i was at espn i had really like all the space in the world to talk about sports um i didn't have the space so much to talk about like the rest of the world and i always wanted to have a place to talk about the rest of the world and so in 2013 that is like the transition that we made with this property is to make this a place where if you like hey i know Bomani from sports okay well i'm going to talk about anything other than sports right now this is going to be a different place and so the motivation for me to really keep doing it is honestly to serve um what i would call my audience like i've always felt like this audience on this property is different like if you're watching me on an espn show a lot of you guys might be going there specifically for me but overwhelmingly you're going there for espn like i recognize that that's an important thing that people need to get is that like the bulk of that audience is an espn audience and you might be contributing like more to it um at that point and so i feel much differently um about it when people talk about this because like this is like of the people who support my work this is the core of it you know like I feel like those of you who have been listening to this podcast for years now like you know me in a way that other people do not you know like the evolution of where I've been in a way that other people um do not so like really the motivation in part a is it's a necessary part of my portfolio but it is also about the relationship that I feel like I have with a lot of you. Like I can look in this chat room at points and I can really look and see like those of you 
who have been rocking with me in various capacities for like over a decade. Like my man DT3, right? I don't really know nothing about you, but I be seeing that I hate USC in my mentions for years, and I feel like that goes back over a decade, right? Saw the homie Brent in here, man. I go back with Brent, 2010, Morning Jones. You know? Like, so yeah, that's that's a big part of it. And we've made a little money here and there off of it in different ways, but I do not do this to make money. That's not that's not really what I'm going for. Like we've never pushed for advertising and stuff like that. Like that's that's simply not the reason why I do this. I do this because I largely enjoy doing it. I can be a little haphazard about when we're gonna do it and sometimes cancel and stuff like that because a whole lot of other life can be going on and whatever. But I feel like this is the kind of thing that I need to have, and I appreciate those of you who feel like it's the sort of thing that you also need to have. Not I need, but you know what I mean. All right, appreciate the question we got here. Are you adding Obama's newest memoir to your reading list? Hell no, I ain't about to read that. Um, what that what what, what that book? Seven hundred pages. And it's just volume one? Um, nah. Nah. Like, can I tell you guys a secret? You know, don't tell too many people I said this, all right? But, uh, I don't find Obama that interesting. Like, 700 pages of volume one level interesting? Nah, 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 nah. I, I don't I don't find him that interesting. Nah. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 good. Nah, nah, nah. I don't blame you if you want to read it. I've 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 enjoyed the excerpts. Like everybody like pulling out the best parts of it. I guess there are some things that I'm curious about in that time in the White House. But I'll be honest, I would rather read somebody else's book about it than I would want to read his thoughts on it. Again, there's some parts that I am curious about. But not to the point that I'm about to read no damn 700 pages of it. I got an Al Green biography to finish. What the hell are you talking about? All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Somebody coming in here asking me a question about Candace Owens and Blexit. Why do you think I would, like, why do you care? Like, how do I view that? What? So you guys know I hate questions that start with thoughts, right? Somebody in here talking about, Thoughts on Azalea Banks, hard stop. What in the hell makes you think I think about Azalea Banks? Like, think about the respect that you probably have for my brain. I just, I just, want, I just want to just throw this out here and give you something to think about. Think about the respect that you probably have for my brain, and you want me to use it on Azalea Banks and Cardi B. Oh, here's another one. Thoughts. On how Ice Cube got dragged before the election. And then got the nerve to. We got two different questions asking me to rank something on a pantheon. 
You know how big a fucking pantheon is? And then you want me to rank it? How did this podcast, by the way, evolve into me hating all the questions? When did that happen? Somebody said, is there a social media war going on with Twitter and Instagram? It's capitalism. Of course there's a war going on. There is always a war going on. So Walmart and Target, you think they're having a competition? What do you think? My man here says, what do you think about bike infrastructure in New York City and e-bikes? What do I think about what and what? What does anybody think about bike infrastructure? I have to say this. I appreciate the fact that y'all think I can pull some of this stuff out of my ass. Like, I, I do have to say that. That is an ultimate relevant respect that a lot of y'all are showing me, and I recognize this, believing that I just had a treatise on bike infrastructure in New York City ready for you. I just got a bike. I ain't even pay for it. You know what I'm saying? So I need to be like, yo, thank you for believing so much of me, but I'm coming up short on some of these. How do you think Americans will inevitably screw up this vaccine plan? Too many that won't take it straight up or people lying about their immunity to get back to the club. I just know we'll manage to stretch this another year or so because why would we start doing things right now? Let me ask you a question about this. People lying about their immunity trying to get back in the club. Um, like you realize they can like make you prove it, right? I mean, there's certainly going to be some people that do a measure of lying, certainly, but they don't just like, like when you go to school and they're like, so have you been immunized for measles? They don't just take your word for it. You got to produce some paperwork. Like any level of something that's going to require you to produce some paperwork, somebody's going to make you produce some paperwork. Um, The question that we got to ask in terms of whether or not people are going to mess up this vaccine is, is moving too fast on the vaccine going to be one of the things that messes up the vaccine? Like I was talking to somebody who works in research about the vaccine and a friend was like, I'm not taking it. And I was like, why not? And she was like, I'm not taking anything that hasn't had two years of clinical trials, which is obviously a fair point and something that you would hope everybody would have the luxury of doing. But I do worry what's going to happen when you could like. Like, I'm not really trying to get on, like, the beta version of the vaccine. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best idea, you know. But if you get to a place you can prove to me this thing has been tested, yeah, I'm going to be down for it. Um, and I do think that ultimately a lot of people are going to be down for it to take it. If for no other reason, then why not? Like, really, why not? And I think that's going to be a place they get to with a lot of people. So what I, what I reckon is going to happen when they really like first get this thing like fresh off the stove, um, the people who are at most vulnerable or, you know, most essential or whatever, they're going to be the ones to get in and it will trickle down and then we'll go from there. I don't know what day it is that I'm going to be the one to take it, but damn it, you better believe I'm going to take it.
Appreciate the question. Next one. Do you have a favorite pair of J's, and do you find yourself collecting more these days? Um, yeah, I don't know what the favorite pair of J's is right now, but I can tell you this. I ain't bought a new pair of shoes since this whole thing locked down. Because why? Like, I will, if there's anything that I think the quarantine has put me in touch with in a different way is... I mean, again, we, you know, we talked about, like, y'all, you know, knowing me and doing this here for a while. I made a come up at a point, right? And I made a come up, but I also have, like, fairly inexpensive taste. And so I bought a whole lot of shoes, because why not? Like, I didn't really have anything else to blow the money on. So I bought a bunch of pairs of shoes. And I have them, and I can go into this room and be like, I got shoes here that I haven't worn in three years. And there are shoes that I bought just because I was like, hey, why not? I'll go ahead and buy it. So I actually think that I am going to be out of like the shoe stacking business. Maybe it'll be different when I'm back in a place where I'm wearing like multiple pairs of shoes. (laughs) I got to have a shoe rotation and a reason to have a shoe rotation. But I don't really see myself doing a whole lot more shoe buying. Like I'm not going to be buying shoes in the quantity um, that I used to. Like, I'm just not doing that. I have no reason to. Like, it's just not. For what? Like, I do. And I think that's something that quarantine has probably taught a whole lot of y'all, especially y'all that got a little cheese in your pockets. All that shit you bought ain't doing nothing to make you happy, is it? Is it? You know? Like, that's one thing I've learned from this. None of that stuff gonna make you happy. Now, I have to admit, though, part of why um, I am not buying new shoes. Now, granted, I ain't wearing a bunch of shoes, but a big part of why I ain't doing all that buying new shoes is I'm at the point in my life where people just send me shoes. Check this out. I think they intended for me to, like, put this on Instagram or something, and I haven't, and it's unfortunate because I had to test something, and you can't see it. But I looked in the mail the other day, and look what I got. I saw somebody in the chat room mention Cole Hahn. I got them new Hassan Minaj Cole Hahn joints. Yeah. Yeah. In case you want to know what the Hassan Minaj uh, Cole Hahn joints look like. Here we go. To answer your question 13. Does that count as a flex? Anyway, yeah, I guess it is easy for me to say that um, I ain't been buying these shoes and people have definitely been mailing me them for free. All right, appreciate your question. Let's check this next one. The New York Times dropped the list of the 25 best actors of the last 20 years. Who would top your list? And I believe on the New York Times list at the top of it was Denzel Washington. And as you guys know, um, I'm not really a movie person. You know what I mean? I'm like I'm not I'm not really the one to ask about these things. I'm not a person that could pretend to have like definitive authoritative opinions about movies. But I could say that in the last twenty years, from what I've seen, from just kind of looking around and peeping game, and you guys let me know if I'm wrong. Um, but I think without question, no two actors have been more dedicated 
more diligent, um, more consistent um, in playing roles, um, like fully immersing themselves into character. Um, I feel like a list, like if you're talking about the last 20 years, I don't know which one is number one and which one is number two, but if you're doing a list of the best actors of the last 20 years and you don't have Rick Ross or Drake, I just don't really understand, like, do you even, like, do you even study acting? Like, is acting really something that you focus your attention on? Because, like, I don't even really consume the, the, the content that them two dudes produce, but, I mean, those are some amazing actors. Like, you don't recognize the, the, the acting talent that they have? And shout out, by the way, to whoever it was in the chat that right before I said it figured out that I was going with Rick Ross. That was amazing. I tried to, like, lull you to sleep and then come around and, you know, hit you with that hook. But, I mean, those are, those are brilliant thespians. I mean, have you seen Drake on Saturday Night Live? Right? Told you. Incredible actor. Rick Ross been famous like 15 years. We don't know a damn thing about that man. So, I mean, I just don't see how that's not one or two. Put them in whatever order you want, right? I'm not so arrogant about my opinion that I believe it's got to go one way or another. You know, people talk about Drake finds a new accent every month. Have you ever met somebody or do you ever like know people? Do you know any people who just like periodically put on accents? Like every now and then, like you ever been in a place where you met a person and you're like, yo, did you always have that British accent? Like I used to know somebody and then one day I listen, I'm like, where did this British accent come from? Like, I swear you didn't talk like this last year. Where did this British accent come from? And another friend, like all of a sudden just turned Caribbean out of nowhere. And I'm like, you from Atlanta. Like, when did this happen? Where did this come from? Like, I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm not crazy. You're like, the worst is the guy who always adapts accents to environments. That is not the worst. The worst is the person who puts on, like, a British accent just to sound smart. That's the worst. Like somebody talking about black folks on the phone with bill collectors. No, I'm not talking about people like changing their voice so they can talk more proper or something like that. I'm talking about a full on accent. Like you don't sound like you from here. That's what I'm talking about. All right, let me see. We got one more. Any show you could think of that needs to have a reunion special, like the one they just had, they just did to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And the answer is, obviously, making the band. Fred Ness. Let's do it again. One more again. But ladies and gentlemen, 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. We try to do this thing about once a week. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe uh, to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes Store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also check us out at the Google Play Store. You guys, be safe. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Keep your ass at home. I don't care what your mama say. Peace.